Seconds out, delighted to be joined by Jamie Cox. I guess <laughs> the first question, the obvious question, where, where have you been for the last two years? Yeah, I just had a, I had a, a child and stuff like that, so just spent a bit of time with the family and then uh, just decided to come back to the boxing and work hard now and I swap gyms. I'm over at uh, Tony Borg's now down uh, St. Joseph's. And yeah, unfortunately, because of the corona and the COVID, I was meant to fight May the ninth, but due to all the due to all this epidemic, it's it's sort of uh, sort of postponing the works. Is that your your first child? Yeah, my first one, Daddy. Yeah, first one. How, yeah. How how old are they now, boy or girl? Girl, she's one and a half. Yeah, oh, so lovely. I guess yeah, the best yeah, yeah. thing then about not being in the ring, you've got to be quite hands on. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, they're, they're over in Finland at the minute because of this, because of the corona. So, uh, so yeah, it's uh, just just waiting to a sort, and then I'll, I'll be able to see her again. So, yeah, all good. Oh, is your um, baby's mum from Finland? Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so they, they sort of called all the Finnish back and stuff. So, I don't, yeah, it was a bit of a, a bit of a messy one. And, um, from what I read earlier, Tony Borg was saying that you were originally down to return last year on a Matchroom mm. Italy show in Milan, but he decided yeah. kind of quite near to the point you were going to fight that you weren't in the right frame of mind. Is that right? Yeah, I wasn't ready for the fight then, but I made an eye would have been ready. And um, But yeah, due to this, so all I'm doing is the home workouts and stuff. Tony's just got us on the live, Salby and all the boys in the gym. Uh, doing the odd runs, the bike, that's all you can really do until you can return back to the gym. Let's talk about before you took the break. Obviously, you went into the George Groves fight 24-0, and arguably yeah. nothing to lose. Um, and yeah. Gave a really good account of yourself. It, it sounds weird to say that because the fight didn't last particularly long, but I think you no. turned a lot of heads and a lot more people were talking about you after the fight than before, even though it didn't <laughs> go your way. How did you kind of reflect on it afterwards? Yeah, I just, you know, I, I trained really hard for the fight. I trained uh, extremely hard. And, uh, yeah, I was really, really confident. And we're doing well. And, uh, yeah, I just, he was looking for the body shot in the fight and I didn't really feel it. And, um, yeah, I just got a bit too eager and he just caught me with a shot. And, uh, you know, if I was a bit more patient, I think, I think he would have gone a bit more longer and it could have been a different story. When you look at it now, would you rather have rebuilt for a bit longer before the John Ryder fight? Because you only had one fight in between. I think it was like less than seven months between Groves and Ryder. Do you wish you'd have kind of built back up again before taking another, as we know now, world-class opponent? Yeah, because John, you know, John, John is a very good fighter, and I knew that beforehand anyway. Uh, and uh, yeah, you know... <laughs> He has he has more of a reputation now, John. I would say is when is until I fought him up with the Callum Smith fight and stuff like that. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was a fight for I would won, and he just and that was that. Maybe I should have rebuilt. You know, maybe I should have uh, had a few more build up fights before John. You know, but but at the time it seemed right. When you look back at the Ryder fight now, do you regret engaging him so much on the inside so early on in the fight? Because I think I read afterwards your trainer at the time was saying you could have been maybe a bit more patient in terms of pressing the fight and taking it to him. 
Yeah, I, I, I think I, no, no offense to Giant, like with George, I, I trained really hard. I had a great camp, and, uh, you know, George be the best version of me with, uh, with Ryder. He beat me fair and square, no doubt about it. But I didn't, I didn't have the best, um, I didn't have the best preparation for that fight. And, uh, yeah, you know, but he beat me fair and square. But, uh, maybe that's why I fought the way I did and didn't fight, didn't fight as I did in the George Groves fight. So from what I'm, from what you're saying, it kind of sounds like you weren't entirely confident that you had 12 rounds at a hard pace in you. So you went out to try and kind of get the job done a bit earlier. Is that yeah, true? in a way, in a, in a way, yeah, in a way I didn't really stick to the tactics. I didn't really, you know, I just went out there uh, and, uh, you know, just tried the best of what I could. But I didn't, I didn't really, I didn't feel the same with myself for the John Ryder fight as I did with Groves. How much do you think about the the count in that fight? Because there was some contention about that at the time, but now you know the things that led up to your defeat. Anyway, the problems in camp. Do you still think about the count, or do you just think it was always going to be a difficult fight? Uh, no, I was always a difficult fight. I thought I was up in time. I think there was a bit of controversy, but but fair play, John. What it is, what it is, and. Uh, who knows? Who knows? He might, have, he might call me again on the same show. So, so, so he won. You know what I mean? It's fair play to him. What prompted the move from uh, the gym you were at previously in Swindon to St. Joe's with uh, Tony Borg, who obviously trains Lee Selby, among others? No, I was training in Birmingham with uh, John Costello. Oh, I was sorry, in Birmingham. Joshua, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was up, yeah, I was up in Birmingham. And uh, John's a very good trainer and stuff. And I just thought it was just, you know, a couple of losses known to do with John. You know, John, 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 John is a fantastic trainer and close to me, one of the closest people to me. And uh, just thought it, I thought it was just a, a change would be good uh, with, uh, with, with, with uh, Lee, uh, Tony. Uh, you know, he's trained a lot of good, great fighters, Gary Buckland, Lee Salby, Paul Samuels, and uh, Joe Cordino is there at the gym when there's an amateur, you know, he's got, and I thought like, go to there because they, uh, he, he's a bit more boxing where sometimes I get to, uh, tend to, tend to be a bit too eager to get involved in a scrap. So I thought go there and, you know, I can, cause I can box too, you know what I mean? And sometimes I don't show that. And, uh, had you worked with Tony before? Yeah, I had one fight with him before as well. So, uh, you know, I've got some old history there with Tony. So, um, yeah, I just thought it was uh, just, just for a change of scenery and it, and all the fighters there are fit as hell. So, you know, they, they, they're all good boys. And how have you found it up there so far? See, obviously, not in the last few months because of Corona, but before that, you had a, quite a bit of time there. How are you finding the adjustment to their gym? Yeah, I was, I was uh, really enjoying it. And, and for the main and I, trainers were going really well. I was sparring really well against some good people. Uh, everything was on point, and then just typical this come along. Uh, but I, I was really enjoying it. I was really, really fit. The big old conditioning there, and uh, yeah, just just unfortunate circumstances. And talking about kind of fitness and conditioning, what weight are you planning to not to come back at necessarily? Because that will just be a comeback fight. But when you're yeah. back, kind of competing for championships, is it going to be middle or super middle? Yeah, uh, I think I think middle. I think give it a good go because I'm at the end of the end part of my career because of age and stuff. And um, 160, I, 
you know, I moved up from 154 to 168. Uh, you know, I should have I should have gone up to 160. But, uh, you know, I was quite strong. I was in the gym. and then, but, uh, but it matters on the fight night. You know, the guys are a lot bigger than me uh, and stuff like that. So if I can get down to 160 and uh, hopefully I can be a good force there for, for the last part of my career. I think a lot of people watching this will be relieved to hear you say that. I think everyone has always said you've got all the talent and all the ability yeah. in the world but maybe you weren't in the right weight class. At 154, you were kind of weight-drained, and at 168, you yeah. were a little bit too small. So 160 has always seemed like the perfect weight for you. Yeah, you're right, Danny. Yeah, the, the 160 is, I think, I think I should have I should have hit that first, not 168. I've got I've gone from 154 to 168, you know. If, <laughs> if you're standing next to Callum Swift, just says it all, don't it? You know what I mean? He's, he's a monster, so... But I'm sure when you get offered to be in the World Boxing Super Series and a world title shot against George Groves, you can't really turn that down. I mean, even if you were still at 154 and they offered it, do you know what I mean? It's a hard yeah. thing to, to say no to. Yeah, of course, because half I ain't like me, you know, uh, on form, I, I box anyone I believe I can win. And uh, that's the way you should be. And uh, But, you know, you've got to be a bit more uh, realistic and stuff. So, yeah, one six, get, get, get 160 should be... I should be good at the way there. Have you kind of kept your eye on the domestic scene or, or further than that at 160 and, and who you might like to fight or what titles you might like to go for? Uh, no, just because <clears throat> it all move in time. But, you know, like for, for domestic, you've got like Liam Williams. He's a very good fighter and people like that. But it all, I'll go get, get down to 160 and build up. So, uh, you know, hopefully pretty fast as well. Uh, get some good fights and then hopefully I can start challenging against these good fighters. And you were supposed to be fighting on that big well show May the 9th and that then got uh, yeah. postponed to July 11th. We're presuming, we haven't been told yet, but we're presuming that's now going to happen in some form at Matchroom HQ like all the behind closed doors fights have been planned yeah. to at the moment. What what have you heard and what kind of date are you training for at the moment? I'm just, I'm just doing it. I'm, I'm, just tra- I'm just training the same as all the other fighters in the gym just doing what Tony says. Uh, and um, yeah, yeah, if the call comes to get in the backyard garden, he's I'm ready for it. So yeah, it'd be, it'd be good. It'd be it'd be something different. So uh, yeah, well look up. Hopefully, hopefully it gets set up sooner. The sooner the better. Have you been given any indication when it might be, or it's like July or August? No, 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 no. Maybe my manager uh, Ricky might have heard a bit more, but. But all I, just from like the social media and stuff like that, that's all I know, really. And what sort of training are you able to do? I know you're following Tony's instructions on the group chat and stuff, but what are you able to do at home? What sort of facilities have you got that you can work with? Yeah, well, uh, I, just, I, just, I just live in the country, so I just, I've got to go for some nice runs out here. I've got a bike. I've got my bike here, so I've just been doing some like 30-mile bike rides. And I just do, um, I just do some... Uh, Every other day with Tony and the boys, just on online. Uh, I haven't got a punch bag up at home, so I'll be the other people doing shadow, all the exercises that we do in the gym, and just doing the home workouts from there until we can get back down into the gym. How's your weight coming down while you've been doing that? Because obviously, it's not the same as training in the gym, and it must be hard to keep to nutritional discipline as well when you're kind of at home, bit bored. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose. You know, it's, I'm not firing on 100% because of them, them factors and and how the epidemic is and everything, you know what I mean, your mindset. But I'm doing the best I can. And, uh, like, it, it would be good with a HQ, the match room HQ, would be, everyone would be preparing that 100%, but they won't be 
they won't be uh everyone won't be on on top four definitely because of the whole the whole uh situation so it'll be some good fights a lot of people would look at it and say oh there's not gonna be any fans there it's kind of a lack of motivation but a lot of boxers i've spoken to including you today seem quite enthusiastic about it something a bit different oh yeah i think, I think it's so different i ain't too bothered about the crowd so it's that's that i don't even hear it when i'm fighting so <laughs> just the trainer so uh yeah I, I, it makes no difference to me you know what i mean but some people that are a bit more g'd on from the some from the support from the crowd and stuff <clears throat> it could be a detriment to them what would you say to the fans out there who might have only seen you in the groves and the rider fights which obviously isn't the best of you what can they expect from this comeback i guess we have to call it now <laughs> I think they can see now working with Tony, maybe a bit thinking about my boxing a bit more instead of going out there and trying to crash bang wallop everyone. And uh, yeah, just just to see me use my skills a bit more than that. And uh, yeah, just always always entertaining and action and bring it and always uh, not shy. And how can people keep up with you on social media if they want to find out a bit more? Well, I ain't, I ain't, the, I ain't the most interesting, but if you wanna <laughs> if you wanna watch me. You can find me on Twitter. My name is Jamie Cox Pro on that uh, Twitter. Jamie Cox on there and Jamie Cox Pro on Insta. So, but there ain't too much to see. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure you're underestimating it. <laughs> but yeah, all right, brilliant. Well, it's been great to talk to you, and um, we look forward to seeing you back in the ring. Cheers, Danny. Take care, mate, and I'll speak to you soon. Take care. Take care, bro. Bye bye. Brilliant. So seconds out, delighted to present the latest edition of Debella's Digest with Lou Debella, of course. Lou, how's your week been? It's a beautiful sunny day. No one in my family is sick. I'm not going to complain. And, and by the way, today the Nevada Commission approved uh, those initial top rank dates. So uh, it looks like within what is about two, three weeks now, we'll have uh, some boxing back in the in the U.S. It appears like all the major promoters on both sides of the Atlantic are going to stick with a, a regular premises to put on shows, at least for the time being. I think top rank have got the MGM, of course. Uh, Eddie Hearn's talking about presenting events in Matchroom HQ. Frank Warren looking at BT Studios. What the fuck is Matchroom HQ? Isn't that like somebody's house? Isn't it, it looks... no, well, they've, they've got, it's kind of a converted mansion, I suppose, but it's been their office for quite a long time. Well, I got to tell you something. That's quite an office. I mean, I, 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 mean, that is a, I was going to say, I, I couldn't put on a, uh, a fight in my backyard. But I think that, look, it, it looks pretty cool. I mean, I think that, that uh, you know, I, I respect any ingenuity and innovation and creativity right now. So I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm down with it. Do you think it makes sense in the same way you've talked about the UFC contingent in the past that, promoters in boxing at the moment are sticking to one set venue, at least for the time being, while restrictions... There's no choice. I mean, the only way you can do this right now, and and particularly in the States, and maintain and fit within the regulations that are imposed on doing live sports, you have to have no audiences, and you pretty much have to be in one place. 
So I, I think that is the new norm temporarily. And similarly, I think the new norm temporarily is that you're probably not going to see the the mega kind of fights until we have a little bit of time to return to a greater sense of normalcy. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because throughout this period of kind of uncertainty. And by the way, Danny, I'm going to look really smart after all this because <laughs> you and I have been predicting stuff and talking for a long time. And you're going to see that the stuff I've been saying is the way it's going to go. Like modern day Nostradamus. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just common sense. I mean, you know, look, look I think Eddie's going to stick with fights originally, you know, initially that the majority of which are Brit against Brit, you know, a, a UK fights so that there isn't travel involved. You know, everybody's looking to be responsible, do the right thing right now. And that means working within these constraints. You know, I, I think Top Rank has a few fights I expect to be really good fights, but. You know, they're not coming back initially with the biggest names and the biggest fights. That's not happening. And it was pretty easy to it was pretty easy to prognosticate a slow return to a greater sense of normal. Not normal, a greater sense of normal. Yeah, I was gonna ask you about that because during this uh, uncertain period, fans have been told regularly by different people in boxing, when boxing comes back with the limited time period, the bottleneck, you're gonna see some great fights. These fights have to be made. But the initial fights aren't necessarily of the top-level variety, and not just in terms of top names, but not necessarily the most well-matched either. Is that a fans just going to be grateful to see any live boxing at this stage? Yes, and 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 by the way, you're going to see hungry fighters fighting, and and by and, and I expect even some of the fights that are made where people aren't overly excited on paper, I, I think you might see better fights than you're anticipating because there are a lot of variables. Fighters aren't used to coming out with no gym time. Fighters aren't used to fighting without having appropriate sparring. Fighters aren't used to fighting in front of no one. And, and, I, and so I think that, you know, there's going to be an adjustment period. And I think that, that, look, I mean, the way UFC fans wanted to see MMA, boxing fans want to see boxing. So I think that these early fights will still do get attention and do ratings. I think they'll get attention and do ratings in the UK at Matchroom Headquarters. And I think that they'll get attention and do ratings in Nevada when Top Rank comes back, even even though the fights are not of a huge magnitude, it's still a return to boxing. It also makes sense. You don't come right back when you're figuring everything out. You don't come right back with your biggest and best and most expensive stuff. The other thing that, you know, you mentioned the matchups. Fighters have to adjust to the readjustment of purses. You and I talked about this over the course of the last several months. We're not coming back to the same economy. We're not coming back to the same economic reality. We're not coming back to the same revenue streams. So initially, the fights that are happening involve fighters that are willing to go in on short notice and fight for money that, that is appropriate to them, but not the top of the market. And I think that's where how we're creeping back in. Um, I also think that, that there are going to be adjustments even involving the fighters that are used to getting paid much bigger purses, but those adjustments are going to take time. And also, fighters that have firm contracts set for big minimums aren't going to let their promoters off the hook so easily. I guess we need a level of understanding from fans as well that the bigger fights will come in time, but at this stage, just be happy that boxing's happening. And at the top rank shows, there's going to be two in a week, which we would never have seen if this hadn't happened. Yeah, you're going to see two in a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays, weeknights. 
Um, look, there's going to be a big demand. I Believe me, I'll be pinned to my television on Tuesdays and Thursdays. As I think will every, you know, real boxing head will be watching. I mean, I, I actually expect ESPN to do, I'm not going to say incredible ratings, but strong ratings. The way, look, look last night I watched, a, actually it turned out to be a brilliant race. I'm not even a, I'm not a race car fan, right? And I watched this truck racing last night. And, um... And I, and I on and, and it was on FS1. It was on Fox, and um, I, I got to tell you, it was exciting, and it was live sports, and I enjoyed it. And by the way, it was a really competitive, fun race. And um, I would never watch a race. I would never watch an auto race before. Never. I mean, maybe the you know the Grand Prix of Monaco or the Indianapolis 500 or the Daytona 500 of IndyCar kind of thing, but I would never watch a truck race normally. But I enjoyed it. It was something to watch. So I think that sports fans, if particularly look, right now, boxing is going to come back on ESPN before hockey, before basketball, before baseball, before any form of football. So, yeah, I think that those initial fight cards, even though they may not be household names, I think they're going to be, there's going to be good viewership. And I think that'll help a little bit with boxing. You know, uh, but you know, small steps in the beginning. The latest um, concept to come from the fertile mind of Eddie Hearn, and this I have to credit uh, Ron Lewis on Boxing Scene for breaking this earlier, is that the AJ Pulev fight may now go to a small venue in London, around a thousand people. But it'll be dressed up as kind of a different type of event, so with a pre-fight dinner, glitzy kind of thing, yeah. post-fight party. I think that's good. I, I, I've already looked into, again, I can't do anything in the New York area for months. I can't work fucking right now. And it's driving me crazy. And in three businesses, I can't work right now. All I'm doing is trying to figure out how to pay bills, you know what I mean? And and, and dodge around and, and be creative. But I see that, the pool of fight, you know, you social distancing, tables, fine champagne, nice wines, you know, uh, safe service, and in and, and a room where maybe you can put uh, a thousand people in a room distanced and people are socializing with their own groups that they're already been quarantined with. And you can get some, I think in that kind of circumstance, there are wealthy people, the kind of people that would buy the first few rows of an AJ fight are going to buy a VIP table. And by the way, in typical fashion during this shit, who gets richer? The rich. <laughs> sure. American billionaires, their, 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 their net worth is increasing during this period of time. And I'm sure the same is true for, for some of the, you know, the, the wealthiest people in the, in the UK and in Europe. So, you know, I, I can see that idea. I think that that's, I mean, just intelligent. It's not rocket science, but I respect Eddie for going in that direction. That's the way to go. I mean, certainly AJ and Pula, is, it's, it's, a, it's a heavyweight championship fight. AJ is still a superstar. And will there be 500 people or 1,000 people willing to pay top, top dollar for a VIP situation and getting to see a live event in person when everybody else is dying for that? Yeah, okay, it's not going to be you and I that are going to be buying tickets for that. No. No, but, <laughs> but, uh, but the, you know, I, I think there's a place for it, and I think it is, it is the kind of creativity that we're going to need as an industry. So look, I mean, look, I, you know, Eddie's, Eddie's not a moron. I mean, Eddie's, Eddie, Eddie's looking and assessing 
the marketplace and it's it's an intelligent kind of thought I, i'm having those same thoughts and by the way they're going to be wedding venues and other venues that are not going to be heavily used in the states until there's a vaccine so it may create on even smaller shows the opportunity to do that you know because people i think that that people with the means want to go to see live sports you know so uh, um that, that may create a little bit of a niche. We have to look at different ways of of, of doing things in this in, in this environment. Eddie's also talked about sending the um, Chisora Usyk fight perhaps out to the highest bidder somewhere like the Middle East. There were rumours of a bid from Croatia, which he dismissed. But the idea being that they can't really sell. You know, I, I, of course, like you know, again, you got to look at alternatives. Fighters need to fight. There's you, a promoter can't afford to pay. Eddie's stuck with a lot of big. I mean, honestly, I have contracts with my fighters that are fair and equitable, etc. But I don't have a lot of these contracts where I'm guaranteeing people multi millions to fight an ordinary fight. Eddie, Aram, Heyman, they're saddled with a lot of those contracts. They have to be creative. They, there's going to be use of pay per view for the guys that need to use it, and, and where the fighter has to bet on his own popularity. Do you know what I mean? And and, and I think that that you know there's going to be a need across the board they're going to have to look at 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 possibilities of finding money where it's not readily normally available however hard to see when oil prices are where they are and and a lot of people with means in the middle east have you know right now the the oil industry is a complete mess for you know it, it's hard for me to imagine insane offers coming out of uh, places. However, you don't. All you need is an offer. I mean, and if the offer makes the the economics workable, I think you will see people go where the money is, and also maybe the money is in some places where there isn't. Look, certainly, right now, um, take New Zealand as an example. I have two fighters. I, I have Junior Fa and Hemi Ohio, two two top. Um, I have two top. Uh, heavyweights, undefeated heavyweights that fight out of New Zealand. New Zealand's down to zero cases of coronavirus yeah. and, and literally can declare a victory right now. Um, it, you know, that creates a possibility to work with a local promoter in New Zealand and put together a show for Showbox in the States and do it in New Zealand. Now, will it be crazy money? No, but at least they can do a gate. You know? They can do a gate. So we can potentially do some things creatively. Um, and, and I think promoters are going to be looking for foreign rights fees and license fees and site fees. Um, and let's see if they materialize. But I got to tell you something. These are pretty rough times all around the world right now. So I don't think you're going to see a lot of insanity. There's been a lot of rumors flying around recently, some of which have been denied about the zone potentially being in financial straits and, and kind of cut cost cutting or looking to do some cost cutting. Was that kind of inevitable consequence of this pandemic and that they are reliant on live sport as opposed to, I don't know, ESPN, for example, who've got a massive archive and a massive amount of money behind them? Yes. Yeah. I mean, and I don't, I mean, look, put everything aside about the rumors and articles you're reading or whatever. You're a subscriber based business. There's been no sports for months. Um, you already were a loss leader, you know, losing a lot of money attempting to build a subscribership. You can't build anything in a pandemic when no one's fighting. 
and no one's per performing in any sport, they stopped. They had to stop paying rights holders because they weren't getting product, and they never even got to do their grand launch of the international app. So, and and, and by the way, they're owned by one, primarily by one guy who's a multi-billionaire, but has to decide what his tolerance for pain is. So. Look, I want, I need the zone to succeed. I'm rooting heavily for the zone to 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 come back and come back with a plan and come back strong. Um, but they certainly have business issues they're going to have to confront and and decisions they're going to have to make. I don't think it's foolish of them to take their time because you want to come back the right way, not in their situation. Look, for them to come back and bleed money, bleed more money, and put on programming that's not going to bring subscribers. Doesn't make any sense. So I, I expect, I do believe that they will come back in some form. I do believe the zone's not going to go down right now. That's my personal belief. I think you'll see changes and adjustments. But I've been saying for months that there was there was going to be an adjustment in the marketplace without a pandemic. Because boxing has been in a bubble of big spending that hasn't really seen commensurate results. And that's been from everybody. Eddie's been spending big, big, big without the events in the States bringing huge subscribership. Sure. You know, the, the ratings haven't been astronomical on any of the networks doing boxing. They've, some of them have been solid, but they haven't necessarily justified the bubble of big spending. So I think we were heading toward an adjustment without a pandemic, and the pandemic is certainly going to lead to changes and adjustments. Before we let you go, just the standard question that everyone wants to know. How's Topolina getting on and why is she not in the video this week? Topolina's like, she's strutting around the house right now. She has her bone in her mouth. She's she's hanging out. She's doing really well. She's uh, I, I need to get her trained because um, she's not used to people beyond my significant other and I because of all the social distancing and quarantining bullshit. So she needs to be socialized a little bit more. And she's also come to the conclusion that she can pee wherever she feels like. So I, I need to I need to send her to sleepaway camp or get a trainer involved as soon as I possibly can. But she's great. She's funny and a lot of fun. Brilliant. Well, we'll be hearing from you again next week. But until then, stay safe, of course, and, and we'll look forward to it. Always a pleasure, Danny. Cheers, Lou. Take care. Derek, what do you think of uh, this influx of retired heavyweights all potentially making a comeback at the moment? Mike Tyson, Holyfield, etc. What do you think about that, Derek? I think there's only two fighters coming back from retirement. Isn't it? Mike Tyson, Holyfield, you know, my name is Jack and Tony, David Hay, and they're coming back. But it's going to be a good fight, man. <laughs> <laughs> Don't try to set me up. I'm going to do a comeback. <laughs> Nah, man. Listen, I would have be. I will pay money to watch Hollywood and Mike Tyson again. So you don't see no issue with it them them coming back? No, nope, no issue at all. I got I got I got no issue with 
Mike Tyson and the Holyfield fight. And if you want to chuck uh, Lennox Lewis in there, Riddick, I'd like to see Riddick Bowe and uh, Lennox Lewis. Why don't they finally have that fight? Why don't they do that? You know, who, who, who wouldn't want to see that? I want to watch it. Everybody wants to watch that. So as long as they're fighting each other, as long as a 50-year-old is fighting another 50-year-old, I'm going to go and watch it. But the time you start getting a 50-year-old fighting a 28-year-old, that's, 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 that's when it gets a bit unnecessary and, and not very sportsman-like. You know, so, uh, you know, I, I, I love, I love all, but all of those legendary heavyweights. Just like I'd like to see, I don't know, Andre Agassi and Pete Sampras have a, have a match. You know, no one's going to try and pick it that and say it's terrible for the sport. It's going to taint their legacies. No, it won't. It'd just be entertainment for everyone. The same reason why everyone loves them now is the reason why they'll tune in and love what they see. I know he just tried to throw you under the bus there a little bit, Derek did. But David, can you just confirm you're not having these faults whatsoever? No, no, it's not so bad. I'm having, I'm, having, I'm, I'm having the thoughts of enjoying watching some of my favourite fights. The guy was sleeping on my sofa right yeah, now. He was yeah. daydreaming, fighting. You've got Mike, you know, Mike Tyson, living legend, same thing with Holyfield, you know, two of my favourite fighters of all time, go, you know, going at it. But I just love to see the press conference. I love to see him getting on the scales. I love to see him going toe-to-toe. But, you know, Holyfield has been my guy. He's the only other guy other than myself. He's been my idol growing up and I do as a, as a professional, the only other guy in history to be a cruiserweight and heavyweight champion. So I followed in his footsteps. And, um, you know, I'd love to see how he fight, how he, how he competes at 50. You know, it's inspirational to see the shape that he maintained throughout his boxing career, fighting much younger guys. Yeah. And so let him fight someone older. It's just, it's fine. It's almost, a, as long as it's not a 12 round fight, stick him in a six, six rounds, just so I don't get too tired and uh, be explosive six rounds. <laughs> Why not? I mean, it's different. Well, well, what, else, what else have we got going on now? Nothing what else is it? Honestly, <laughs> if they went and did, I saw a little poster about them doing it in um in Saudi. I got so excited. I was like, it's gonna, ha- it's finally gonna happen. It's gonna be amazing. Then someone said it was a fake poster, and I got upset. And uh, but anyway, that really got me buzzing. I was thinking, if it was really happening, yeah, damn. So Derek in a jumping in the cage, having a cage fight. Who wouldn't watch that? Would you watch it, or would you would you say I'm not not all for this crossover stuff? What do you think, David? What do you think? What do you exactly. think? Everybody who loves a loves a punch up will watch it. I'd watch Derek have a fight in a car park. There you go. That's that's the that's the third that's the third option. That's who work work on car park <laughs> car park fighting. Uh, for the record, for anyone before they jump on it, I was obviously joking. Um, Cool with me? Oh yeah, all the time, man. You know, you know, brothers, brothers get into it, but you know, that shit don't last. That shit don't last long. Uh, no, that's that's right. Real, real friendships. You can have arguments, and uh, you can. No, uh, Adrian. I don't know if you remember, but we was in we was in um, in LA when your friend when Robert Easter Jr. was fighting Mikey Garcia. 
And me and me and Big Joe Joyce, we needed a barber so bad, and you literally hooked us up with a barber. Yeah. <laughs> you, you hooked us up with a barber, and you saved our life because again, that was desperate, desperate times. For but, sure. Um, so, um, when, so when you yeah your rap album, that's what I wanted to talk to you about. When's when, when's your latest rap album coming out? Uh, it'll be out. And I'm getting all of the legal. This legal shit and all that stuff done, and it'll be out. So I, I, I think in about about three weeks, no more than got, three weeks. Can you name any any features on the album that I'll know? Uh, Young Thug, uh, Meek Mill, Rick Ross. Yeah. Okay. Uh, NBA Young Boy. Um, Cook Lafleur. And yellow beezy. Okay, I have to keep keep uh, keep yeah. an eye on that. And oh yeah, forty two Doug. Oh, forty two Doug on there too. Oh yeah, you forgot one. So, what do you think? I was going to move on from that, so I want to get the question in why I can. What do you think to De uh, to Floyd Mayweather training Devin Haney? I honestly think it's bullshit. Uh, yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it because, and and, and I, I don't got nothing against Devin Haney. It's just for me. Um, you, you, he's promoting one of the biggest names in the sport of boxing right now, and that's Javante Davis. So Thank why you, would yeah, you yeah, go exactly. train his rival? I don't get that. That's some, that's some bitch ass nigga shit. And if ain't nobody feeling like that, then fuck them too. But I'm totally <laughs> on Javante's side. I'm siding with him. And that's just, that's just what it is, man. I don't think Floyd should be training or or giving a guy pointers to beat his fighter that's, that's do you dumb. think do you think do you think it's a bit disrespectful of floyd to do that when he when he obviously promotes tank uh that's very disrespectful and and you know uh i don't know man i don't know i i really don't want to get in, into it honestly but i just just think that's a big ass spit in the face i don't like it i don't like none of it one one last thing on it. So, because uh, do you think that him training Haney kind of takes the limelight off Haney because of Floyd being the, the star that he is? Do you think it kind of draws the light off him? Um, it 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 it, it uh, honestly, his son's Haney. Is is like he's sunning him. Haney yeah. Haney was doing good without Floyd. That's just like me. I didn't I didn't I already knew. I made a, so much of a big name of myself. I didn't have to get up under him. So you know. I, be, I stayed myself and I'm a household name. So, you know, yeah. with him being up under him, it's only going to keep him under him. Yeah. For sure. For sure. No, like, I, I kind of agree because I'm a big fan of Floyd. I'm not going to deny that. I'm a big, big fan of Floyd. But I do agree in the sense of it is a bit strange how he would train someone who's potentially going to be a rival down the line to, to and I'm not, And I'm not saying that Floyd can't be a great coach because I believe he got tendencies to – because all great fighters – you know, don't have tendencies to be a good coach, but it's some fighters who can adapt and be good coaches, like a great coach, you know. And I think Floyd can be a good coach, but, you know, but what he's doing right now, that's just some straight bullshit. Fair enough, fair enough. Because you, if you box again, you'd stay – Mike Stafford. It's always been Mike Stafford. Facts. For yeah, sure. you've always been with him since 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 day dot, Mike Stafford. For sure. For sure. No matter if okay. I bring in help or whatever, I 
I always keep the one who taught me everything. Yeah, it's good loyalty. Proper lo- proper proper loyalty. He's a good coach as well. He's a great coach, Mike Stafford as well. I've met Hey Five Fans, it's Michelle Joy Phelps. If you haven't already subscribed to my YouTube channel, make sure you go ahead and do so by clicking this icon right here and hit the bell button so you can get notified every time we upload a new video. And we also have a free app available on iTunes and Google Play. So make sure you go ahead and download that. Bye Five Fans. Hello, welcome to The Boxing Show. Great to have your company this afternoon. Today, we're joined by two of Britain's premier light heavyweight talents. Both men have their sights on world titles and perhaps each other as well, as Andy Scott explains. The light heavyweight division is arguably the most competitive in all of boxing. And while Russia currently dominates the scene, it's well represented here in the UK. Callum Johnson and Joshua Buatzi may be at different stages of their respective careers, but have more in common than they might think. World-class amateurs, Johnson captured Commonwealth Games gold in 2010, while Buatzi blitzed his way to Olympic bronze in Rio four years ago. Both have also lifted the coveted Lord Lonsdale belt. The only real difference is experience. CJ, seven years the senior at 34, has already been to world level, taking on the fearsome Arta Baterbiev, dropping the Russian before ultimately coming up short. Buatsi has breezed through domestic challenges with 12 straight wins. Inactivity and injury has unfortunately hindered the duo who like to let their fists, rather than their mouths, do the talking. Promotional stablemates, but potential rivals. Could the pair one day meet in a mouth-watering domestic dust-up? Well, that sets it up perfectly, doesn't it? I'm delighted to say that both Joshua and Callum could be with us today, alongside our very own Matt Macklin. Good to see all three of you today. Matt, I don't know where Matt is. Is he in some sort of church there? (laughs) (laughs) Where are you, Matt? I'm at home. This is an old convent that's been converted into a nice apartment. (laughs) It it looks lovely there. Um, Joshua, great to see you. The the, uh, beard's looking strong there. How's how's life been? What have you been up to? You've been training, keeping busy? Yeah, I know. The beard is strong, as you said, man. Um, No bobs are open, so it's going to keep growing. Um, For training, I've just been running, cycling, um, the odd boxing session. But um, like you said, it's, it's, it's... it's been a different kind of training, but um, I'm enjoying it, man. I can't lie. I can't complain. The sun's out as well. So um, happy days, man. Yeah, I think the weather's made a difference to everyone. We've had, we've been so lucky with the weather. Um, Callum, I've seen on social media, you've, you've got your home training set up. You've been flipping tyres in your backyard. Have you got a, a, a garage set up going on? Yeah, I've converted my garage into a gym. So I've got, I've got everything I need and, you know, similar to Josh, really, I put the odd boxing session and strength stuff for tyres and 
you know, I'm enjoying it and it, it's good. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Joshua, everyone is in the same boat. We don't know when and boxing's coming back. We hope it's going to be July time sometime. Um, how hard has it been for you not having a fight day, just, just not knowing and still ticking along and keeping that training going? Yeah, that's been the hardest thing because um, when you have a date, you can obviously plan towards it, you can prepare towards it, you can diet towards it, make the weight and everything. Um, it's been hard, I know, but I think mainly I'm remaining positive in everything, like remaining as positive as I can be, um, dwelling on the good things, not so much on the bad things. And that's like the main, main thing that I'm doing. Um, to keep motivation high, um, I just think of the return when everything resumes back to normal and we're allowed to fight. Um, just to make sure that I'm in the best condition that I can be in, um, to train my, to, to to train in a different way. It's not all physical. You can use this time to train mentally as well. So there's just different aspects of training that I've been doing um, to help me stay motivated and to take over. So I've I've enjoyed it to be fair with you. Yeah, because Josh, you you haven't actually since last August, have you? You were due to fight in November, but had to pull out through injury or through sickness rather. And then of course the fight in March that was postponed because of the coronavirus, but you've essentially had two full training camps, haven't you? And, and still not yeah. a fight to show for it. I mean, that's even more of a frustrating time for you. Yeah, no, nah, it, it was it was quite frustrating. I think mainly the one in March because um, I went back home to Ghana um, in December. I came back, I started to train from January the 1st and went all the way through. So I did like 11 weeks of training. Um, and then we had the phone call to say, you know, um, everything's been locked off. So um, that was quite hard, but I can't blame anyone for it, man. Everyone's going through it. I'm going through it. Um, Johnson's going through it. All the fighters are going through it. So I can't really um, pinpoint anyone to blame. Um, it's a world problem. So stay positive, man. That's that's all I've been doing. And um, that's all I can encourage people to do as well. Whatever it is that you're going through, any losses or anything, we just have to remain positive. So that's that's kind of the approach I've taken towards everything. Yeah, Callum, Joshua just staying there about staying positive and that's one of the main things for him. For you, has it been important for you to still have that structure in your day and that training regime for the mental side of things as well? Yeah, definitely. Um, as you say, that, that's all we can do. We can stay positive and, and work on the things that you know we need to work on. And, and as he says, it's no one's fault. And people have asked me, am I frustrated? Um, you know, I'm frustrated that I've not fought for a while and everything else, but I'm not frustrated about what's happened because it's out of my hands. I, I don't really kind of worry about something that I can't control. So, again, it's just keeping myself right in the best possible way I can and keep keeping my mind right and, and doing, like I say, doing things that I've not done before and, and challenging myself. I've been challenging myself a hell of a lot and that's what's been keeping me mentally focused. Oh, that's great to hear. Well, there's no denying that uh, Callum and Joshua are highly rated in the talent-packed light heavyweight division. But let's just get the thoughts of promoter Eddie Hearn on them both. I think he's in a great position, Callum Johnson. I really believe he can go and win a world title. You know, I think if he can get a little bit of momentum, if he can get a little bit of luck go his way, he's already proved that he, he can really hang with the best. I think Joshua Boatsy is probably one of the best talents in world boxing, I think he has everything. I think he has great shot selection. Um, he has great power as well, and that's improving all the time. I think he's extremely tough. You know, sometimes he likes to wear one when he shouldn't, but he's got a great chin. He loves to fight. You know, Boatsy's a great character because he is so calm and kind and caring and pleasant. 
And then all of a sudden, he turns into an absolute beast. And I love watching him fight. Uh, and him and Callum Johnson, really, not just you know two of the top light heavyweights in Britain, but two of the top light heavyweights in the world already. And I really feel they can both perform on the world stage. I don't really like making fights between two of our own guys. As you know, I like to jump up and down, scream and shout, jump in the ring after and, and sort of live and breathe every fight. And it's very difficult when you've got two guys who you represent, you care for, you like, you admire, to just sit there and, and really not enjoy watching them punch each other. But I also understand that Callum Johnson against Joshua Boatze is a fantastic all-British uh, fight that could be, you know, could end up being for a world title. Certainly in the short term, could be for a European title. I know that Callum Johnson likes that fight. I know that Joshua Boatze likes that fight. It's a risky fight for both. You know, risky in the sense for Callum Johnson of, you know, he's looking for that world title shot and he's coming back for to fight a undefeated domestic guy. And for, for JB, risky because Callum Johnson is a world level fighter and he hasn't boxed at that level yet. So um, I think it's a fight both guys like. And I think in the current environment that we're in, with two Brits facing each other, this could be the way that we end up going. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because Eddie's saying that he's not too keen about two of his own fighters fighting each other, but there is absolutely no doubt there is a huge appetite for this fight to actually happen. Callum, you've been outspoken about this. You want this fight to happen, but just how much? You know, my, my main goal is to fight for a world title, and, and if I could choose an opponent, my main goal would be to get a rematch with Berbiev because... You know, I'd love a, I'd love the chance to do that again because there's a few things I know I need to put right that that be, what I didn't do right before the fight. So, and like you say, I, I nearly got him, but he got me. I'd like that, but obviously, Josh. I mean, I don't think it's a fact of you know if we're going to fight. I do think it's more of like of a case of when we're going to fight. But I do feel the fight is big enough to you know to represent a world title and and for the world title money as well because. You know, there's no world title on the line or there's no big title. You know, the money's not there that the fight deserves and what we both deserve. So, well, I think I say, I think it's a fight of more of when than if. So, Joshua Callum saying it's more a case of, of when <clears throat> rather than if. Would you want it? I think the same as him. Um, for me, I'm looking to keep going up and up and up. Um, it seems like he may be getting in the way. Um, there's a European title that he's possibly going to be fighting for. Um, I'd won that belt. So um, if he gets it, um, and this is the guy that I have to fight, so be it. For me, for me, Alan, it's never personal or there's not a specific fighter that I'm out there looking for. I, what I would say is that there's only, I think, two or three fighters in Britain in my division that I would like to box. Callum is one of them. So um, nothing personal, but there's three guys in Britain that I'd like to say, OK, cool, let's get on. And he happens to be one of them. So um, I'm not shying away, nor is he. So... Um, like you said, um, it's a it's a big fight. It's an important fight, and you want a title to be at stake or the money to be right. So once those things are are in place, then the like, like we we both box for matchroom um sports, so it'd be an easy fight to make. I feel. Matt, um, Callum, of course, has that world world title experience for this fight with Baturbio. How much do you think that would be key for Callum? Yeah, absolutely. I think he. Um, acquitted himself really well. He showed that he belongs at that level. He'll no doubt want another crack, as he just said then, at uh, the world title level, our uh, world uh, title. Um, you know, but that said, I think if you look down his career, the, the negative that jumps out is his inactivity. He had less than 20 fights in nearly 10 years. I mean, I remember, 
Callum being one of my sparring partners on the fourth Felix Stern, that's what, nine years ago, you know, and he, he was a good kid then, you know, Commonwealth Games gold medal, he's a good amateur, he's 34 years old, he really is in his prime now, and it's great to see him, I follow him on social media, you can see he's working hard, he almost reminded me a little bit of Clubber Lang in his makeshift gym there, I live alone, I train alone, you can see he's really <laughs> staying ready, and, he's, and, and it's good that he's going to stay ready, because he's a top tier, he's a top light heavyweight now, um, I think in terms of timing, Josh Bawatsi is 27 years old. He's going to get better and better. I think the timing, the sooner the fight happens, it's better for Callum Johnson because I think Joshua's going to get better and better. And Callum's 34. Father time catches us all. And, you know, soon, I think he's right at his peak now. I don't think he's on the decline by any means. But, you know, that, that day is going to come. So, um, look, ideally, we would love it to be for a world title because, like you say, world title money, the profile, everything that comes with that. But... I would rather the fight happen for a European fight, uh, European title, sorry, than not to happen at all. What we, if I look at my own career and, and draw personal experience, you don't want a situation to happen with these two guys and Anthony Yard, uh, whereby we've got a Darren Barker, myself, Martin Moriandi Lee, four world-class middleweights around at the same time, and none of us fought each other. I mean, it was tragic. And then I also look back at when I fought Jamie Moore, where we were both still very much improving and. I actually went on to, I lost that fight and it was a grueler, but I actually went on to it. Everything I achieved in boxing was after that. So it, it didn't do me any harm. You know, it was, uh, I think the biggest uh, crime here that can, or the biggest negative that could happen to either guy is inactivity. You know, they've, they've both been inactive, but of course it is a combat sport. Injuries do play a part. The, the, the training is very intense. So we've got to be careful of injuries, but I just think if that fight can get made and the European titles on the line, I would love to see that fight. From a fan, I would love to see it. I, th I think everyone would, Matt. I think everyone would be in agreement with you. Joshua, do you study Callum? And if so, where, where do you see his weaknesses? Um, I don't study a lot of fighters, um, especially like, like heavies. Um, I mainly watch like other fighters, like heavyweights of the Arlies, the George Foremans, the Ken Nortons, um, Larry Holmes. I watch them a lot. Um but from the bit that I've seen of Callum, because I think I've only seen him box once against um, Boglioni, and that was a, a literally a first-round job. Um, so what he's good at is he's, he's a compact fighter and he can punch. For me, that's enough. That's enough for me to know how I should position myself and how I should fight. Um, knowing what I've got, that's enough for me. So, sh you know, short fighter, good guard, he can bang. So um, that's enough information for me to go home to work with and then to show show up and do what I've got to do. Well, we've got to take a break now, but we're definitely going to be, I'm sure, touching on this throughout the show this afternoon. Um, join us, though, after the break. We will take a closer look at Joshua's journey so far. So far for him, it's a perfect 12-0 professional record and already established as one of the hottest prospects in world boxing. More coming up in part two. One, two, three, four, five, just to catch up with Josh. Haircut, all right? Yeah, looking yeah. sharp. Josh Ratsy, amazing fighter. I believe he has so much unlocked potential still. Timing, balance, coordination. I'm feeling myself, I might strip me. He's just a phenomenal prospect. I'm blushing. It's true, I'm blushing. that. I leave you hanging. He's such a well-mannered, respectful man. He seems just very level-headed. And then he goes in that ring and he flicks this switch. And he's like the devil. I'm a beast with it. I'm great with 
Dedicated, he's obsessed. I've got to be honest, I'm a fan. If you've got sprinklings of Evander Holyfield, sprinklings of Andre Ward, put it all together and you get Joshua Boatsy.